quarters, more than three quarters of the world's population live in countries. Some of those, some of those restrictions are government restrictions. Some of them are, um, are, are societal violence against people of faith. Um, some of them are a mixture of both, where uh, there's societal violence, but the government does nothing about it. And uh, so, uh, although those figures are uh, 77% of the world's populations are for religious freedom violations generally, that means against all people of faith, different faiths. Um, nevertheless, according to the International Society of Human Rights, which is a secular organisation, um, uh, they say that something like 80% of, uh, of uh, um, violations of religious freedom are against those of the Christian faith. In other words, are against our family around the world today. That's a, that's a huge number. And, uh, and we in CSW uh, believe that God has called us, and we've got three verses that we use as our mandate for the work we do. We be, believe that, first of all, he's called us to be a voice. Um, Proverbs 31, verse 8 and 9 says that we are to speak up for those who are unable to speak for themselves. And, uh, and then uh, Hebrews 13 and verse 3 tells us to remember those in prison as if we were in prison with them. And, uh, and then the last scripture that we use as a mandate, and when I say we use in CSW, it applies to all of us, of course, um, these verses. It's not just to CSW as an organisation, they're to every one of us individually. Uh, but the third verse in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 26, says that we are part of the body of Christ. And when one part suffers, we all should suffer with it. Um, uh, it also says in, in that verse that um, when one part is honoured, we should rejoice with it. Well, we find that part much easier to do than we find the suffering part, don't we? Uh, but uh, So they're the things, they're the verses, and there are many other verses in the Bible too, but they're the main verses that we use as our mandate to do what we do. So what do we do in CSW? Well, we are a, a Christian organisation working for religious freedom. It's religious freedom for all faiths, and I'll explain a little bit about that in a second, um, but that's through advocacy and human rights in the pursuit of justice. And we use, uh, we use for uh, the work that we do, um, which we do in many places around the world. We, uh, we, we, we engage in what we call high-level advocacy. So we work in Westminster with the government, whoever that might be. Um, we, uh, we, work with, uh, we work in Brussels with the EU. We work with, um, uh, uh, on, on Capitol Hill, Washington, D.C., at high levels. And we also work at the United Nations, Actually, just on the, on the point of the United Nations, uh, we've got to uh, thank God for some answers to prayer this year. We have been, we've been working at the United Nations for many years, but we've not had official status, which has hampered the work that we do. And we've been trying to get official status uh, for nearly 10 years. And uh, the, the, the point of fact is it goes before a what they call the NGO committee that votes on whether or not you should be allowed in. Well, the NGO committee um, is made up of countries that all persecute Christians. Uh, nearly all of them, anyway. That's not quite the fact, but mo by far the majority. And uh, so we're talking about countries like Pakistan and, and China and, uh, and Cuba and uh, Sudan... Uh, many countries which we, as, as an organisation, work on. 
And, uh, and so what the, the form is at this committee, whenever, um, whenever CSW has come up, um, they, they ask all kinds of questions. Most of the questions we've answered before, um, uh, dozens of times, uh, but they answer the same questions, and then they, they defer an answer. They do that twice a year. That's gone on for nearly 10 years. Uh, but, um, but this year, uh, we thank God, and, and, and I haven't got time to go into the strategy that we used. The main strategy that we used was prayer, um, but, uh, but we did, uh, the Foreign Office were very, very helpful to us, um, although they're not members of that committee. And eventually, what we did, we managed to get a vote in the committee, um, and, and we lost that vote big time, like 11-4. Um, uh, incidentally, 75% of human rights organisations that go before that committee are rejected. Um, it's, it's staggering. And, um, but, uh, but we lost it, but we were, that enabled us to appeal to a much bigger committee with 50 countries, a much more mainstream countries, and, uh, and we, uh, we won that vote. So we are now, we've now got official status at the UN. So anybody that was involved in that campaign with us praying, thank you. And that was a real answer to prayer. And it certainly as, 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 um, will enable us to have much more effect at the United Nations than we have had. We also, we also work in, in the British Parliament with the, uh, there's, there's a, um, an international religious freedom all party parliamentary group. Uh, which is actually chaired by um, a group that's very much in the news this morning, the Dem a Democratic Unionist MP called Jim Shannon. And, uh, and, but, it's, but it is an all-party group. Uh, we are also part of the International Panel of Parliamentarians, which is worldwide parliamentarians, about 100 from around the world, that are working for free freedom of religion. And personally, I also sit on the Foreign Secretary's Human Rights Group. So we have access to, uh, to, uh, to, to power people that make decisions. And what we do is that we raise awareness and we campaign. Uh, the important thing is to provide governments and the United Nations, provide accurate information. And there is a lot of information out there that's not very accurate. If you Google Christian persecution, you'll kind of come across all kinds of stories. Um, some of them are, are sort of got some truth in them, some have got... Some are true, um, and some of them have got no truth in them at all. And uh, the work that we do, um, we always guarantee is accurate because we go, we have three separate sources for the information that we have before we put them in reports. And so um, governments and others know that when they receive our reports that they are accurate and, and also objective um, in that we won't hide it if Christians have misbehaved, which they do occasionally, not often, fortunately, but they do, and we need to say that, and we need to be honest. I mentioned earlier, too, that we promote religious freedom for all faiths, and I need to just explain that briefly, <clears throat> because um, it doesn't mean to say that we are uh, some kind of liberal syncretist organisation. Um, uh, we believe uh, that Jesus Christ is the only way to God the Father. Uh, we believe that, um, uh, that, that, that uh, yeah, that there is only one way. But we also believe that everybody was made in the image of God, and we believe that God gave us a free will. God, we are not compelled to be Christians. And God is a God of justice. And so people should never be... If they choose to follow another way, um, they should not be persecuted for that. 
provided they are living or working within the, the, the rule of law. Uh, but um, uh, So we believe it's right to stand up just by speaking up for people of other faith, let me explain, does not mean that we endorse that faith. We don't. I explained right at the beginning, we believe that Jesus Christ is the only way. Uh, but nevertheless, what we do endorse is their right to believe something different. My hope is, and what, what galvanises me every day when I get up, is actually because I want to see the gospel of Jesus Christ um, preached throughout the world. And I can tell you that, that, that in, in so many places, uh, one of the countries that we've worked for, for many years is Colombia, where there's recently, where t- Christians were targeted in a big way, um, uh, Christians, uh, a, Christian, a Christian pastor was killed over the last 10, 12 years. A Christian pastor was killed once every fortnight, basically, um, in that country, which we hear nothing about in this country. But there's been a peace agreement with the... With the, um, with the and there was three groups. There was paramilitaries, there was guerrilla groups, and there was the army. All of them were, were fighting each other, and, and Christians were caught up in the crossfire. One of the reasons that um, there was peace in that country, and I can tell you this, I I know this is a fact, one of the reasons that 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 peace agreement was able to be signed was because so many guerrilla leaders, so many paramilitaries, and so many army leaders came to faith in Christ. Missionaries were working and dropping in Bibles and dropping in tracts and dropping in uh, shortwave radio sets. And so many of the leaders came to faith in Christ that they realised they shouldn't be fighting each other. So that's great news, isn't it? And, and, and the gospel of Jesus Christ is the answer to so many things. But we also believe in the right. Because you know, in the Old Testament, um, we're told uh, that we should look after and, and remember the foreigner and the alien, those that don't believe the same as us. Um, you know, the, 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 the good Samaritan uh, is, a, is a great example of not, not, not looking at faith. And, you know, if, you, if we walked out and saw, uh, if we went into a country where there was famine, we wouldn't dream of only giving food to Christians and not giving food to other people who were starving, would we? And so in the same way, we need to stand up for those of other faiths. So um, the, the, the article that we use from the United Nations Declaration of Human Rights in our work of advocacy is Article 18, which um, gives the right, uh, I won't read it out, but it gives the right, basically, for people to choose whatever religion or no religion at all. Um, It gives them the right to practice that religion. So it's not just about freedom to worship inside this church building. It's more than that. It's also the right to practice our religion, which means going out into the community and being salt and light. And it also, uh, because that is part of our faith, isn't it? Uh, It's not just about worshipping God in the confines of four walls. It's about much more than that. And so the the right of Article 18 gives the right to choose your religion or choose no religion, the right to practice your religion, but also the right to change your religion. And uh, and so the right to evangelise and see others come to faith. And that's one of the uh, that's one of the problem areas, if you like, in the in the world today, particularly from the Islamic faith, where um, where to change your religion away from Islam 
is in fact um, is in fact called apostasy, and that's punishable by death. And so, uh, in some countries, uh, some places, even people's own family kill them when they become to know Christ. It's a huge, huge area. And, and countries that subscribe, and, and most countries of the world subscribe to Article 80, or the United Nations Declaration of Human Rights. Uh, but, but even though uh, many countries, many Muslim-majority countries, um, sign up to that, when they say the right to change their religion, what they mean, the, 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 the right that they mean is the right to change to Islam, but not the other way, uh, because the Quran forbids that. So, I haven't got time this morning to go through... Um, I keep looking at that clock and realise that it's, <laughs> it's on a different day. Um, I, uh, I haven't got time to go through all of the countries. We focus on, in CSW, we focus on um, 26 countries of the world. Um, I'm going to tell you briefly about two countries this morning uh, that I would like you uh, to think about, to pray about, and to do something about, because we can do something about this. It's, it's, it's not just about raising awareness, it's about taking action as Christians today. So uh, the first country I want to talk about briefly is Egypt. And Egypt is a very strategic country in the world today, uh, very strategic. It also has the largest percentage of Christians in the Middle East. So out of all the Middle Eastern countries, Egypt has the, the largest percentage. But somewhere between, and, and the figures vary, and it is a wide variance, but, but um, the government would say 10% of the population were Christian. Uh, the Christians would say 15% of the population are Christian. So it's probably somewhere between the two, but a very large minority. And Christians have always been persecuted in, inside Egypt right since the church was actually born out of persecution when St. Mark was dragged through the streets of Alexandria by his neck and, uh, and died. The church was birthed then and has always been persecuted. At the moment, it has a president who, is, um, uh, who believes in equality of citizenships and has spoken up many times uh, in favour of the Christians. I've met President Sisi on two occasions, and I believe that he genuinely believes that. Um, and uh, so, uh, but nevertheless, over over recent months, we've seen a lot of attacks against Christians, and this is coming from um, from what we call Daesh or, or ISIS, um, who are attacking Christians in Egypt. In, on the 11th of December last year, so just at the end of 2016, uh, a bomb was planted in the church of, of Mary, uh, of Virgin Mary in Cairo, uh, and it was planted in Egypt. The churches, particularly in the Orthodox Church, um, the the um, uh, the women sit on uh, women and children sit on one side, and the men sit on the other. Um, that's the way it works there. And the bomb uh, was planted in the section where the women and children were. And, uh, and when that bomb went off, 25 were killed and 41 were injured. And then in the first three months of this year, um, in separate incidents in the El Minya area of, of Upper Egypt, seven Christians have either been shot dead or in one case burnt alive uh, because they were Christians. And uh, then on Palm Sunday this year, 9th of April, uh, there were two bombings, uh, one in Tanta and one in um, Alexandria, both of them in churches, and, uh, and, both, uh, and combined 
43 people died and 126 were injured. And then just a few weeks ago, on the 26th of May, um, in, uh, in, in, uh, um, uh, in, in an area near a monastery in, in, um, in the Minya government again, um, 28 people were killed and 23 injured when masked gunmen opened fire on three vehicles. Now let me tell you, when, before they opened fire and killed those people, they were all given the opportunity to convert to Islam. So the gunmen came onto the coach with Coptic Christians and asked them if they would be prepared to convert or die. And every single one of those people refused to convert to Islam. They stood for their faith and they died for their faith. If you, um, if you go on to Google and Google, not Google, YouTube and Google the name Father George Bowles, B-O-U-L-E-S, just watch the video of, uh, of, of a sermon from Father Balls the day after the Palm Sunday killings, the two bombs on Palm Sunday. Because this is what Father Balls said. He said, to, this was a message to Daesh, to ISIS. Thank you, he said. I want to thank you, first of all, um, for shortening our journey on this earth and our journey home to heaven for those people that have been killed. Secondly, I'd like to thank you because you, you've allowed us to fulfill what Christ said when he told us that we would be uh, lambs among wolves. And thirdly, he said, this church is absolutely packed today. Every single nook and cranny. Normally, he said, on the Monday after Palm Sunday, it's pretty empty because <laughs> the liturgy in Palm, Palm Sunday is very, 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 very long. And uh, so not many people come on the Monday. But he said, churches all over Egypt today are full because of what you've done. Thank you, Isis. Secondly, he said, I want to say, we love you. He said, you won't understand it. But Jesus said, if you love those who love you, what reward have you? But I say to you, love your enemies. Then he said, we're praying for you. Because the one who told us to love you also told us to bless those who curse you and to pray for those who spitefully use you. He said, we make a commitment to pray for you. Pray that you know the God of love. Pray that you experience the forgiveness and love of God. Because if you knew that God is love and experienced his love, you could not do these things. And then, that was after Palm Sunday, and then just a week or so back after the killings on the bus where the Christians were given the chance to convert, um, uh, a talk show host, the biggest talk show host in, in Egypt, a man called Amma um, Adib, a, a Muslim, had, been, had, been, had on his show Christians and was asking them about the bombings. And all he got was these same messages. We love them, we forgive them. And he, he, there was a pause. After he'd interviewed them, there was a pause, and you can see this too, 
on YouTube. And there's a long pause where he didn't know what to say. And then he just said, how great is this forgiveness that these people have? He said, these people are made of a different substance. We are not of this world. But it makes me think how I would react in those situations. So please pray for Egypt. Second country I want to tell you about uh, briefly this morning is the country of Nigeria. I'm telling you about this because we have a particular campaign at the moment um, called uh, uh, Stand with Nigeria. In north of Nigeria, which is mainly Muslim, but there are Christians living, a lot of Christians living in the north of Nigeria, but, it's, but it still is, um, still is majority Muslim. And you've all heard of the Boko Haram terrorist group who have been bombing churches for many years now. Uh, but there's a, a new group that has come even more, uh, that has, has been even worse in recent years. And that is a group called the Fulani Militia or Fulani Herdsmen. And basically they're coming uh, and they're attacking Christians in villages and, 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 and destroying whole villages overnight. Um, and going to Christians as they're working in the fields and attacking them and, and, and killing them. And um, over the last few years, something like 800, um, 800 men, women and children have already been killed and 10,000 have been displaced. Fulani herdsmen were named uh, last year as the fourth deadliest terrorist group in the world by Global Terrorism Index. But do we hear anything? Do you read about the Fulani herdsmen in your newspaper? Do we hear about them on the news? I doubt it. Uh, but it's happening. And there are so many situations in the world where these things are happening. We can do something about it. And what we can do, you, you can help us by, uh, we always talk about four Ps. You can pray, you can protest, you can provide, and you can proclaim. You can tell other people what is happening. We need to tell the world that this is happening. People should know that it's happening. Everybody knows about the Manchester bombings. Everybody knows about the attacks that happened in Borough Market last week, which is quite right. But nobody knows about these others where there are hundreds slaughtered. We need to raise our voices. So one of the things that we can do um, for Nigeria, um, you can please, and I would ask every one of you who, who's got a computer and can go onto the internet, to go onto the CSW's website, csw.org.uk, and you can, uh, you can send an email to the governor of Kaduna State. Kaduna State is a state in Nigeria where most of these killings and displaced people have come for, from the Fulani herdsmen. You can send an email. And please don't think that your email won't make a difference. It does make a difference. These things do make a difference. And, uh, and, and, and uh, if, you, if you back it up with prayer as well, prayer and action always works. I've been doing this work for nearly 40 years now and I could tell you so many times where prayer and action together have moved mountains, have changed situations. So please stand with us. Stand with our family in Nigeria. I'm going to tell you uh, just briefly at the end of this, uh, of this talk, I, I, I want to tell you about a friend of mine. In fact, he runs CSW in Nigeria. He lives in Kaduna. And a few years ago, um, when uh, Boko Haram were bombing Christian churches every single week, every Sunday, Christians went to church in Kaduna and didn't know whether it was going to be their church next. 
didn't make any difference. The churches were still full, but they didn't know. Yanusa um, decided that he was going to do something about this. And so he went to his church and together they put together food parcels. Lots and lots of food parcels. And they took them to the local mosques. And they said, this is for your poor Muslim families to celebrate the Feast of Eid." Now, I don't know about you, but that's the last thing I would have felt like doing. But I also know, I believe, that that's what Jesus would have done. And that gesture, that gesture brought peace to that area. The, the imams didn't know how to respond, except to say, these Christians are good people. That happened about three years ago. He's done that every year, and the, and the communities are coming together just by the simple act of reaching out, reaching out in love. And I believe that that's what God calls us to do. And there's one way, too, that you can... Uh, I just must say this because I've brought, some, I've brought quite a bit of literature there and Jenny will be able to give you some. But there's one book that we have there called Connect and Encourage. And it really is about us being able to reach out to Christians who are either in prison or their families of people in prison. You can write letters and cards of encouragement to them. That is a very practical way that any of us can do. Please do that because I have heard so many testimonies from people that have received those cards and it's made a difference. It's given them hope. These are our family and they want us. One of the, one of the major things, one of the most often, one of the, most, the messages that I've got the most often when I've travelled to countries throughout the world is this, from, from our Christian family, is we thought you'd forgotten us. We thought the church in the West had forgotten us. Please let us show them that we haven't forgotten them this morning. Thank you and God bless you.